0: Welcome to VLGA Connect. My name is Catherine Arndt and I'm the Chief of the VLGA Connect Studio. I hope you enjoy today's Connect episode brought to you by the VLGA,
1: the national broadcaster on all things local government.
0: Welcome to VLGA Connect. Another Friday rolls around. Not only another Friday, but we're into July. And joining me for our regular governance chat with thanks to Hunt and Hunt Lawyers is Steve Cooper, the Chief of Staff of the VLGA. Good morning, Steve. Good morning, Chris. How are you? I'm going all right, thank you. I'm going all right. What about you? Good. Oh, no, I'm going really well because I've had a terrific week. Thanks for asking. Excellent. Well, I did see you've been jetting up into the top corner of the state. You've been up to Mildura. I see what you did there, Chris, because you know that when you go to Mildura, you don't jet, you propeller.
1: But um, yeah, I had a great day at Mildura on Monday uh, with my colleague, Deborah Wu, and we talked with the councillors about gender equality, diversity and inclusion for the whole afternoon. And it was just a fabulous discussion. So uh, thank you to uh,
0: the mayor, councillors and staff at Mildura for their hospitality. Terrific. Um, very pleased to hear that went well. Great council up there at uh, Mildura. Um, there's uh, an, another western part of the state uh, council in the news this week. We might start with this, uh, Steve. I did listen to a discussion on ABC Radio yesterday afternoon with the, the member for Nationals, uh, the member for Lowen, I should say, the Nationals member, Emma Keeley, calling for a monitor to be brought into Horsham Rural City Council. There's been a bit of news coming out of Horsham this week, hasn't there?
1: Oh, there has, Chris. Um... I think it's fair to say that the council meeting at Horsham this week um, was a bit unsavoury. There was um, uh, a discussion around the referral of some matters relating to an alleged or alleged conflicts of interest um, to be referred off. And um, yeah, I think the best way to describe it is to say that that debate got a little bit messy. And, um, and that's really the tip of an iceberg. That's been, um, has it been freezing for some time, Chris, that, uh, um, There have been calls for a monitor
0: uh, for some months uh, from um, Horsham and that hasn't eventuated at this stage. So let's just separate out those two things. So the the council made a public statement that it had called on the inspectorate to step in and look at whether a particular councillor had a conflict of interest in relation to a confidential matter that they'd been considering and whether that person had uh, failed to declare a conflict of interest. It's a little bit unusual step to take, Steve, to publicly call for the inspectorate to step in and look at an individual councillor.
1: Look, it is, Chris, and I don't, um, I don't fully understand why that happened in the way it did, except let's take a step back. Mm -hmm. And the act is very clear that in regard to any allegation um, of a conflict of interest by a councillor, that that matter must be investigated by the inspectorate. Now, the way that you get to initiate the inspectorate's um, investigation of that matter, you know, presumably it could be by a council resolution, either publicly or confidentially, or presumably it could be asked for privately, Um, I mean, my take would be if there's a suggestion of a conflict of interest by a councillor, it kind of makes sense
0: that the appropriate agency um, investigated accordingly with yeah. a minimum of fuss. The, the other part of that is the suggestion that a monitor should be brought in. Now, we've got six monitors in place in Victoria at the moment and we've talked about this before where all the monitors are going to come from we've got a brand new minister we should say we might come back to this in a little while in uh, Melissa Horn. I'm betting that Horsham's not the only council uh sitting on a list that the, the the minister's been given to come up to speed on current issues Steve
1: I've always presumed Chris that ministers for local government have a bit of a watch list um and that there are those who have monitors and those who are getting pretty you know
0: sailing pretty close to the wind Yeah, so when those last monitors were appointed, I said I reckon there's probably another half dozen at least that would benefit from having a monitor. I wasn't thinking of Horsham, uh, but we've got a situation here where the local member has apparently on a number of occasions uh, spoken to the previous Minister, Sean Lean, and this week has been speaking with the new Minister, Melissa Horne, asking for a monitor to be placed uh, at Horsham. So that's a pretty public um, assessment, I guess, of what needs to happen at the council?
1: I think so, Chris. Um, I don't know if you want to go there now, but let's be clear too that um, a monitor is one step. Mm. And, you know, uh, Minister lean has been pretty clear on that point over the last couple of years. It has moved that role of monitor from almost the step before dismissal to seeing the fact that a monitor might be Um, a useful intervention to support councillors in getting the organisation back on track. That said, um, we've talked before about the fact nothing's a silver bullet and there are are issues that individuals can take responsibility for. Um, One of the things for me that would really sort of um, militate towards appointing a monitor, I suppose, Chris, is the fact that there should be a safe workplace. Um, and the suggestion of Horsham and a number of other councils at
0: the moment is that there might not be. I know Steve uh, it's not unusual for you at the VLGA to get calls from councillors saying help me navigate what's happening here how do I understand the process it is uh, daunting for many you've come up with a bit of a, um, a, a list of things to keep in mind the top seven if you like
1: yeah, let's, let's play that, Chris. And, let, and let's be clear, we're not talking about Horsham. Um, yeah, and even, in fact, in this last week, I've spoken to a number of councillors and officers at a range of different councils. So no one should read anything that we say here as particularly targeted at them. But we thought this is actually a pretty good list mm. of the sort of um, our top seven for, um, you know, repairing governance, if you like. Chris. Where do you start, Steve? What's number one? Number one for me is a... Um, Something that people might want to Google called Occam's Razor, uh, which is attributed to William of Occam. And what the principle of Occam's Razor is: can you be minimalist and reductive in your analysis and decision making? Let's take out the personalities, let's take out the agendas, what is the decision
0: at hand and sort of rigorously stick to that. Um, You've got another one, Chris, what's that? I was was just going to say Occam's razor, sometimes called the law of parsimony I believe, but I tend to think of it as you know, just keep it simple Yeah, keep The kiss principle, Chris (laughs) That's it. So that was number seven what's number six? I often say trust the process, there's a process for very good reasons Um, understand where the process needs to happen and trust it i think and
1: sometimes what we do chris when it gets really hairy and political is to dive into the issue when yeah. what we really should do at the start is say, is to really think about what's the process that we're in in every in every case what are the relevant issues what are the irrelevant issues and that will in fact support occam's razor
0: yes very true what's next we're okay, we so, counting down or counting up here, Steve? No, we're counting down. I think this is now number five. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. So coming in at number five is coming
1: in at number five, and straight from the uh, straight from the act, respect the council, respect the role of the council. Um, we are part of an entity, like you know, a council is the region. It's the the corporate um, legal entity. It's the group of councillors. It's the people in the organisation. It's the community. We're all just passing through, Chris, and acting in a way that respects the brand of the council, the role of the council, and doesn't um, criticise
0: or diminish the council organisation. It's very important, I think. We're all just passing through. I feel a song coming on, Steve. I reckon I can add one to there. I guess it's the next number or it's a uh, it's a part B of that. Respect the role of the mayor. Take the personalities out of this and stop looking at who's actually in that role, uh, because it is the role that needs to be respected and understood. Isn't that true, Chris? And and it's interesting
1: that councillors are required to respect the role of mayor, which would sort of indicate it's there because the role of mayor is difficult, that the mayor is required to be, you know, the public face of the organisation, to have a responsibility for supporting councillors to comply with the code of conduct and to act coherently, to be the gateway for communication between the councillor and the administration, to, run the council meeting with all its complexity. like the role of the mayor is difficult and um, it's pretty easy to take pot shots and, you know, that doesn't help.
0: True. What's next? Number uh, three? My
1: number three, Chris, is treat every decision as a policy. Um, one of my old town clerks used to say this, that every letter you write, every decision that you make, take the personalities out of it and treat it as uh, the benchmark for what you what similar decisions you will make in the future and things have have a way of having a whole lot more clarity because it causes you to ask would I make the same decision if there were different people involved and to have a more sustainable and consistent kind of decision
0: making and remember that the role of a councillor is to make strategic decisions and to set policy so bring it back to what is the core function of your role in the first place Yeah, and sometimes it's difficult, Chris, because um,
1: the role of the councillor is to act for the whole municipality, and what that means sometimes is that we need to, um, you know, consider minority interests, consider the diversity of views across the community, and again then, you know, if we take the
0: personalities out of it, that sort of has a way of diminishing uh, the shouters, if you like, Chris. We've got room for two more in our top seven. I want to suggest this one that's come up a little bit uh, of late when I've been reading where things have gone wrong at various councils around the country, and that is hold up a mirror and have a look in the mirror rather than be stuck looking through the window. So mirror, not window. Oh, Chris, are you sort of suggesting that you know perhaps stay out of blame? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. probably.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, what's that I'll say? If it is to be, it's up to me. And, um, yeah, I think it's a lovely one, and thank you for that. Do you know my, uh, my last one, number one, and it might be almost hokey? Be kinder.
0: Yes, yes. Always be humble and kind. <laughs> is that a song? It is a song. It is a song. <laughs> Written by Laurie McKenna, made most famous by Tim McGraw. I'm going to read you one line from that song, which I think really uh, is apt. Don't hold a grudge or a chip, and here's why. Bitterness keeps you from flying. Always stay humble and kind.
1: Oh, I know
0: that song. <laughs> yeah, hmm. and
1: and how like you to just bring it back to country music, Chris. Of well course. <laughs>
0: so there's our top seven. Some things will never change. All right. Hopefully that was useful. Thank you for thinking of that, uh, Steve. Now we, we we mentioned we got a new local government minister. We do want to pay tribute to the outgoing minister Sean Lean, who I just found so good to to work with. Extremely accessible. Genuinely, it felt to me, had the best interests of the sector at heart. So I just want to say personal thank you to Sean Lean for your time in the role as Minister for Local Government. Um, I, I know Melissa Horn; I'm sure she'll be absolutely terrific, but we will miss Sean Lean as well.
1: Oh, can I echo that? Can I double your tick, Chris? Yeah. Um, uh, look, every meeting we've had with Minister Lean, he has been uh, interested. He has been thoughtful. Um, whatever he's done and said has been in the interest of the local government sector. It's a tough gig where we're all sort of small cogs in big wheels, and um, and there's always you know a bit of political byplay and the sort of the dynamics that go on. But I just found Minister Lane to be um, terrific to to work with, and he's been extraordinarily uh, cooperative and generous to the VLGA. And um, and yeah, I'd just like to say thank you, uh, Minister Horn. Uh, in her capacity in relation to uh, gaming has um, a few months ago attended our local government working group on gambling meetings and again was, uh, was really thoughtful, answered the questions she could, gave detailed responses to the
0: questions she wasn't able to answer on the day and I think that really bodes well for the future. Looking forward to working uh, with her and hopefully talking with her on VLGA Connect in the not-too-distant future, with uh, the reminder that we're only four, what, four or five months out from a state election, so I'm sure there'll be uh, quite a bit to talk about in the months ahead. Now, speaking of quite a bit to talk about, time to look at some of the news stories of the week, uh, Steve, that we haven't covered already. There's a special council meeting at Moreland coming up on Sunday because they've received the results of the consultation on their three... Uh, potential names for the changing of name and uh, we've got a a a highly likely candidate in Merribeck which has picked up nearly 60 percent of the vote from the community consultation how many people voted Chris? Uh, Six and a half thousand I think I want to say or close to which uh, I, I know the Mayor Mark Riley there has said is the most significant community consultation that council has run
1: that's an extraordinary number of people to uh, to participate in a poll such as that, Chris. So, uh, yeah, well
0: done to the, the Moorland community for going out in force. So, um, I know we talked about those three names, um, Jerang, Beck, and Wadumbak. Um Where did we land when we first spoke? I can't remember. I think I like Jerang.
1: I think you like Jerang and... Oh look! For completely um, pathetic and um, superficial reasons, I did like Mary Beck, Chris. Well, there you go. You win. Well done.
0: Well, that's assume <laughs> we go with that. It's not a
1: competition, but that's okay, <laughs> Chris. You've prompted me on uh, on another point, though. We during the week had the first face to face meeting of our Y Triple C coordinating uh, committee. Uh, YCCC, your country, your community, your council is a project that the VLGA is working on subject to state government funding uh, to support Aboriginal candidates at the 2024 election. Uh, The whole intent of the project is that it be Aboriginal led and our co-chairs are Councillor Greg James of Greater Shepparton and Councillor Ashley Vandenberg of the Melton City Council. Um, The other members on that panel um, uh, Tracy Evans, who's a Gunjamara Eastern Ma woman who is a member of the First Peoples Assembly. Uh, Alan Brown, a uh, very experienced member of the um, Darabin Aboriginal Advisory Committee and a Gunjamara elder. Grant Hanson, a Tongarong elder, um, and also possibly more notorious through his work with 3KND radio and the famous Man Group football show. Um, so, grants on that. And Nikita, Nikita Hart, who is a um, very active um, community member um, in Mildura. So, that group came together, and all I can describe it as, Chris, is a terrific yarn with some really good people. So, Excellent. bodes well for the future of the YCCC project, Chris. Watch Absolutely. The yeah.
0: All right. right, Will do. Uh, Glen Ira Council's in the news this week. This one caught my eye in the Herald Sun. Uh, about a decision that was made uh, in relation to a new Deccan fan zone at Caulfield Racecourse, which, uh, according to the Herald Sun, has the approvals of Heritage Victoria and the Minister for Planning, etc. It was like the last hurdle, I think, of uh, the council having to sign off on some approvals, and um, they chose by one vote not to do so. Um, and now they're being held up as um, uh, trying to uh, nobble the crowds at the Caulfield Cup. This year, I love the way that you said "last hurdle," even though there's no jumps racing at Caulfield <laughs> and, and
1: nobble the crowds like Chris. Chris your horse some of racer. that
0: was some of that was borrowed from the Herald Sun article, I must say. <laughs> your horse racing puns have just um,
1: yeah had a field day. Um, <laughs> this will be interesting, and i rather than comment, I would just like to watch and see where it goes because, at its face, the council had. Um, an administrative kind of planning-related decision and has voted to not make that decision, which has held up the works. Now, where that goes from here, I'm not exactly sure.
0: But, um, yeah, I just think it's a watch-this-space story, Chris. All right. Another one to watch this space on is new building regulations, which were, as I understand it, introduced last week. Uh, The MAVs come out pretty strongly saying some of the regulations that are proposed here are unworkable for councils and uh, ignore the fact that councils just can't get enough municipal building surveyors at this point in time. And there's not going to be an easy fix for that.
1: The issue as I understand is there's been an additional regime for council or the municipal building surveyor to conduct inspections um, toward the conclusion of building projects. And there are not the municipal building surveyors to do that work. Um, it would suggest to me that there's some problems, Chris, with the uh, the privatisation of um, building inspections. If um, if clients can't have satis- can't be satisfied that the inspection sort of shows that the building is you know suitable for your occupancy and possibly calls for a, um, a broader review of that whole regime, Chris. Because one of the things I always loved about councils being responsible for building inspections whilst it was a you know a, a guarantee to the community that buildings are safe and yeah. Um, yeah we should we should uh uh see that as being a really
0: important part of being in a civilized society it's a, it, it, it's a wicked problem and a vexed space, if I can use the words wicked and vexed. Um, but again, a nod back to Sean Lean, who introduced that women building surveyors program, which is, must be in its second year now. So at least there'll be some, some women building surveyors coming out of that program in the not too distant future, but a lot more clearly needs to be done to solve those problems. Yeah, it seems to be a bit more of a systemic or structural issue, yeah. Chris. Yeah, yeah, couldn't agree more. A uh, couple of notes from interstate. Um, there's ne- never a dull uh, moment in terms of governance news out of councils. This one caught my eye, Steve. At Gympie in Queensland, the council there has called on the state government, particularly the Minister for Local Government, for help. Uh, when it was due to vote on a council, a disciplinary matter, and five out of nine councils declared a conflict of interest and removed themselves from the chamber, uh, leaving a lack of a quorum. Um, In this particular case, the administration suggested you can either resolve to take no action or ask the local government minister for help, uh, which I'm sure the local government minister is thrilled about because that's the path they chose to go down.
1: Thank you for that one without notice, Chris. My recollection is there's a provision in the Local Government Act in Victoria that says that where a council is in court due to a quorum that those councillors with a conflict may return to the chamber to um, determine the way forward, if you like, which might include the establishment of a special committee. Um, Although I do find it interesting that a councillor with a conflict of interest can be involved in a decision to decide how that matter is actually going to proceed. So... um,
0: I just think on those ones, get good advice. And uh, I'm reminded we've commented a couple of times on some recent cases out of Queensland where the council has determined by vote whether a particular councillor had a conflict of interest or not. So the regime there is different and very different in, in that respect. Uh, I just think moving on, I, yeah, we we just that one know. a week or two ago, Chris. While, while we're in Queensland, I just want to note that there's, there's no update as of this morning that I can see with regard to the Redland City Council Mayor. You might have heard this, Steve, the Mayor of Redland, Karen Williams, uh, attended a small council function after uh, the budget was adopted last Thursday. Uh, There was alcohol served at this council function. Uh, She then uh, drove a council-owned vehicle, had a minor car accident, admitted that she'd consumed several glasses of wine. Police are investigating. There are no charges laid as yet, but lots of calls right up to the federal opposition leader, Peter Dutton, calling for her to resign, which she's thus far resisted. And the CEO of that particular council has requested a review of the council's entertainment and hospitality policy after some of those details emerged.
1: Chris, I would love to see a chart, a timeline, because every so often um, a mayor or a councillor or a senior executive has an accident um, after being out of function and a council car is damaged. This is not um, especially new. Um, It is concerning to the extent that... um, I don't think a culture based if sorry, it's a different thing for me if it's one off or if it's a culture of, you know, the consumption of excessive amounts of alcohol um, at council um, events. Uh, I'm not particularly puritan about that, but I do think, you know, the, the world has changed a bit and there is a bit of odium around, you know, rate paying for alcohol. So we do
0: need to be careful in that space. Um, but also, I think let's not overreact. So uh, one of the press articles had the CEO as having had read the riot act uh, the day after all of this uh, occurred. I think there were three bottles of wine that were involved in the particular event. It was a small uh, thank you event for those staff who'd worked on the council budget, as I understand it. At
1: which, which is not not yeah. out of the question, Chris. There's a lot of work that goes into, into the budget and any organisation that sort of just says, thank you for staff going above and beyond. Again, that's not unreasonable, I think, oh. um, but we've got responsibilities for a safe workplace. Who's in charge of the event? Who makes sure that everyone gets home safely because that goes to a culture,
0: um, a good culture in an organisation. Exactly the sorts of issues that I'm sure are being looked at as part of that review of that policy. We'll Mm. keep an eye to see if there are any further developments. Uh, We've had a bit of news on the CEO front this week. Uh, Steve, I know people like to be kept up to date on this. Uh, We talked about Justin Haney's salary package being... Um, covered again uh, by the media. Well, it's been covered again uh, in the Herald Sun with the expected, I want to say, confected outrage and uh, anger were the words that were used in the stories. Uh, Justin's been extended by four years, a new contract... Um, at Melbourne, which will take him through to uh, 2026. Uh, the salary package is reported to be around the $534,000 mark. Um, and I don't, you don't even have to see the Herald Sun articles to understand the tack that they've taken on that, Steve. We've talked about this before.
1: Oh, we have, Chris, but I did do, go and do a bit of research. The uh, executive chairman of the News Corp Board in Australia, Rupert Murdoch, was paid a salary of a $1 million in 2021 financial year. Is that all? Plus, um, plus uh, performance bonuses and additional share compensation to bring that package up to $6.7 million. Um, oh. The CEO of New Cor- News Corp, Robert Thompson, had a total package in 2021 of $23 million. The Chief Financial Officer, $8 million. Um, so, yeah. No
0: outrage to- and anger about that?
1: No, not at all. I think when they start railing about um, executive like Jess, then um, yes. I tend to think it's part of a um, business strategy about, you know, if you consistently run a story that local government's not to be, cons- you know, not to be trusted, then, you know,
0: that becomes the basis of selling. Newspapers. And they consistently make the comparisons with politicians, with elected representatives, which is, it's it's not a valid Comparison. It's odious, Chris, I think I've said before. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, Like, and look, let's sort of expect that as time goes by, there will be ongoing um, criticism of council salaries. It's the same criticism of public service salaries. And it's sort of making the suggestion that anyone on the public purse isn't working as hard as those in the private sector. Mm. It ignores the fact, in terms of council officers, that typically they will have at least. You know, most council officers who are quite well paid at least have a tertiary qualification and often more. Um, Should they be paid less than people who don't? Well, you know, how do we encourage people to actually offer themselves up um, for a career in public service?
0: So, yeah. Well said. Uh, Craig Neiman at Greater Bendigo, extended by one year. Now, his contract was due up in December, so it's been extended now through it to December 2023 and that will enable him to see through the, the uh, transition of the organisation to the new Bendigo Gov Hub, which I think is happening in the next uh, 12 months or so. Oh. So well done to Craig. Yeah, well done Craig, a terrific operator and I just say to anyone um, take a wander
1: around Roslyn Park in the centre of Bendigo, it is absolutely beautiful. The uh, the work that Craig's done around building that community around liaising with government to get fantastic facilities for that city uh, is just a
0: credit to him. And uh, seems like a really sensibly negotiated um, arrangement with the council. So- By the time that uh, rolls around, Steve, he'll have been 16 years in the role and 40 years in local government, which is no mean feat these days.
1: It is indeed, but he, he will always just be a guy who ran around the Midi Ammo football club until he was about 40, just trying to get a
0: kick. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I do want to congratulate Bill Millard, who I knew it wouldn't be too long before he uh, turned up putting his skills to use. Uh, Bill Millard, who was the CEO at Moyne until uh, a short time ago, uh, has been announced as the interim CEO at Mansfield. He's going to hold the reins there when Kayleen Conrick leaves next week and until they make uh, an appointment on a more permanent basis basis to that position well done bill
1: well and well done to actually well done to Kayleen connery well done to mayor james teen and the council and well done to bill because i can think of far
0: worse fates than spending a few months in mansfield chris lovely and as as they would say in the classics he's a good guess (laughs) (laughs) very all right anything else from you this week i think we're done Excellent. All right. I'm rather pleased we're done, actually. That's enough from, uh, from me as well. Thank you all for, uh, for being with us and for continuing to watch and like and uh, reshare and all those things you do on the social media channels. Uh, don't forget to subscribe on YouTube or your podcast app. Um, we do want to say a big thank you to Hunt and Hunt. Oh, just reminded me. Uh, Hunt and Hunt Lawyers, our sponsors. Now, Tony is, uh has been spotted uh, in the wilds of Western Australia this week, Steve. Have you heard? I have heard. He um, he purported uh, to be doing some work, but he also um, acknowledged there was a bit of recreational activity while he's over there. We'll look forward to hearing about his observations because he has sent through a, a few articles from, uh, from the papers over there which are rather unique, uh, some of those local government issues he's picking up on.
1: We might package them up next week. He's been our Western Australian sleuth, Chris.
0: <laughs> look forward to that. Steve, have a good week. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Chris. You too. Steve Cooper, Chief of Staff at the VLGA. That's VLGA Connect and the Governance Update. Thank you for your company and we'll see you again soon.